Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zeraris, and today, a very special treat. One of my really good friends, Darren Palmer, stopped by the show. We unpacked every possible angle of the Yankee-Red Sox wildcard game that's going to be played later today when you are listening to this. This episode was a whole lot of fun. These one-game playoff environments, particularly in baseball, lend themselves to guys like Darren and I to play armchair manager, how you would set the lineup card, what order of guys you would want to go out of the bullpen, how quick of a hook you need to have with your starting pitcher, rekindled some of the Yankee Red Sox history of old, the Aaron Boone stuff, Don Zimmer stuff, Pedro, Schilling, Ortiz, Jeter, all that. A whole lot of really fun stuff to talk about on today's show. I can't wait for you guys to listen. But before I get to today's show, you got to do me a solid. Number one, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Number two, signal boost the show on social media. I know Instagram and Facebook were down for a couple of hours on Monday, so I didn't bother on those platforms. But content is there. Share it so other people can find it. Lastly, if you're an Apple podcast user... Please go to the show's page, scroll past our recent episodes. There are going to be five clear purple stars. You hit the one furthest to the right. That's leaving a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says, Write a review. Take a few minutes. Leave a review for me. Support your content creators. Please, please, please. Leaving reviews is one of the easiest ways you can help content creators you enjoy. And it doesn't cost you a thing. Leave a review. Help a content creator out. Now, MLB instituted the wildcard round of the postseason back in 2012 as a means to incentivize winning your division. If you're a little bit younger than me, you might remember the time where it was the three division winners and one wildcard, and there wasn't that much of a difference from winning the wildcard in the division. But now, the two wildcard team system, you play the one-game playoff, and then you go into the ALDS, having already burned your best starter in that one-game playoff. So we've got Garrett Cole for the Yankees, Nathan Avaldi for the Red Sox. This should be a very fun day for baseball fans, sports fans in general. Then on Wednesday, we'll get to talk about Cardinals-Dodgers, but this was a really fun episode. I will see you guys in one second. Enjoy these drops. Alex Rodriguez is drilled, and he says something to Bronson Arroyo. And we know what he said. Here we go. Veritek and A-Rod going at it. Three as Boone hits it to deep left. That might send the Yankees to the World Series. Boone, a hero in game seven. Now Ramirez. That ball's not even close. You talk about looking for a reason. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Don Zimmer and Pedro Martinez. Ortiz in the deep right field. Back is Sheffield. We'll see you later tonight. And with that, we are about... 24 hours out from the American League wildcard game, which the New York Yankees will be going up to Boston to play the Boston Red Sox. My good friend Darren Palmer has a few minutes out of his day to 
come talk about his Yankees going into what's been a weird season coming down to one single game. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It's been an interesting year, uh, not only for the Yankees, but for all of baseball as a whole. Um, The nerves have started, uh, not only with myself, but the rest of New York, at least the Yankee half of New York. Um, And, you know, you can't write a better script. Red Sox, Yankees, MLB needs this. Uh, The sport needs this. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to this. This is one of those games you kind of wish you were a neutral fan just to enjoy a little bit more, but it's going to be one hell of a game. It's been a very weird season for the Yankees where there have been multiple points where it kind of felt like the sky was falling and the season was over. But somehow here they are. Like we said before we started recording, if I told you in early July that they were going to be in the wild card game and have Cole ready to go, I think based on how their season was, I think you sign up for that, not knowing how good Tampa was and that the Jays were going to be able to turn it on here in the second half and that Boston was going to flop like they did in the second half. I mean, a lot of Boston's problems stem from their bullpen, but that was a very good team in the first half of the season. But at the very least, you're you're here. You you get a chance to get to the playoffs because yes, technically the wild card game is the playoffs, but this is a playing game. We we all know that, but it is part of the playoffs. You would sign up for that in July, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming into the season my outlook on the AL East was the Rays would be the Yankees' biggest competitor. Uh, the Red Sox were not supposed to be this good at all. Red Sox fans really didn't have much to say about them coming into this season. Um, and the Blue Jays, I saw as a team that was had a lot of talent but were young, um, really gritty players that can get things done. And, um, you know, now we're sitting here in October and all four teams battling out in the last week. You know, you, like you said, if you said this to me on July 4th, I, I would have been like, wow, that, that's incredible. Because um, definitely was not expecting this. Um, I would say all four of those teams had their peaks and valleys throughout the year. Um, and it kind of sums up, you know, the year exactly for the Yankees of just being a streaky team. Um, you know, going on a 13-game winning streak, then going on a six-game losing streak, following that up with a seven-game winning streak. Um, And, you know, this probably has been one of the more stressful Yankee seasons over the last couple of years just because of the streakiness. You know, some days, you know, there were some days in June and July I wanted to cancel the season. I thought it was over. And, you know, then they come back with, you know, 13 game winning streaks and then you trade for Gal and Rizzo and you're kind of like, wow, all right, we have something here. We can build off of this. Um, but the up and down year to get to this point, it's it's been a long year, very long. What would you say made this Yankee team this year more inconsistent than it's been in years past where it's been more streaky? Is it that the bullpen is just less consistent than it's been in years past? Is it that so much of the offense is just what Judge and Stanton can do? Why were the Yankees less consistent than they've been in years past? Because this is more or less the same team. I know the bullpen has been dinged up. They didn't really have Britain most of the year. Chad Green hasn't been as good. Chapman kind of was just awful for a month and a half. So what would you say is the biggest reason the Yankees were so inconsistent this year? Yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's been the same issue for the last four or five years. And it's been the hitting with runners in scoring position. 
Um, the Yankees notoriously year after year have had this problem, which is why they haven't been able to make it deep into like World Series or ALCS type of games because they just can't get it done. Um, I would say in regards to the starting pitching, it was a massive surprise, actually, how great the pitching was this year. Uh, you have to look at it as we just got back Severino. He wasn't there with us. We had Kluber for what four games he threw a no hitter that I totally forgot about till like recently <laughs> um and then he got injured and then you have guys step up like Nestor Cortez who you're just you know people that watch Yankees games once a week don't know who Nestor Cortez is <laughs> in like April or May right like yeah. he came on the scene very very late and uh, Aaron Boone and the team found out, all right, this we can actually work with this guy. Um, and he's been, you know, if the if the Yankees make it past Tuesday, he's the probably be a top three starter going into the ALDS. Um, and, you know, it's crazy thinking about that now. Um, in terms of the bullpen, you know, the bullpen definitely struggled this year. Um, Britain was not the same guy, and then he got injured. Chad Green hasn't been the same for the last two seasons. Uh, Chapman, you know, the funny thing about Chapman, he started off the first two months on fire. Yeah. Um, he was very, very good to start off the year. Probably one of the best closers, you can make the argument. Um, and then I'm not sure what happened, if there was an injury, but he just completely lost it. I know he developed that new sinker this year. Um, and early on, he really perfected it. But then later on, uh, I don't know if there was a grip change or something, but it wasn't good. But in conclusion, the overall answer is that the hitting and runners in scoring position just hasn't been good. And, you know, the home run or strikeout mentality just doesn't fly anymore. You need guys to put along singles. And that's why you have good teams like the Giants and the Rays, who they're not like power guys. They're just guys that are able to get on, know how to hit the ball to the opposite side of the field and, you know, get runs in. One thing I will touch on that's always I always find interesting is there are guys like Chapman, like Diaz, the closers with the absolutely electric stuff, the wipeout slider, the 100 plus mile an hour fastball, where you can tell during their warm up if they have it or not, because they're just bouncing pitches, they're hitting the backstop. And it's just so weird how you think about how someone spends their entire life to get to this point, And then there are just days they don't have it. Like, you know, like one of us going to work where it's like, I don't really feel like doing anything today. And, you know, that's all this Chapman out there in the turtleneck in 96 degrees and he's just like yeah i can't find my slider today this is what it's going to be i have one pitch today and you got to hope he's got more than one pitch because if he can't find the plate he's other team sits fastball and that's where he gets into trouble when he can't find the plate the other team sits fastball and they get to tee off yeah that, i feel like most uh you know most fans don't really think about this but being a bullpen pitcher is very very difficult you know mm -hmm. when you're a starting pitcher you may not have it the first inning but you'll have the second and third inning to maybe try to figure it out and hopefully you do figure it out when you're a bullpen guy you get that one inning max yeah. maybe two maybe three depending on your role within the bullpen but most guys are just getting one inning so if you don't have that slider or, you know, that sinker that day, you're the get the quick hook. And, you know, during this time, late September, early October, there's no time to play games. You have to yeah. have a quick hook. 
Um, and you have to be ready to go to the next guy. And, you know, sometimes you just don't have that day. And it's every, it happens to everyone. You know, every single pitcher has had this. No one's perfect. Um, it's more on the manager to realize that the pitcher does not have it and say, all right, we have to move on to the next guy. We can't have this happen. All right, so we're looking at this game tomorrow. Nola Mayhew off the bat. You know Urshela is kind of dinged up. What do you expect the lineup to look like? Because you know Gardner's going to be in there. You figure Judge Stanton, Gallo, Torres. Kyle got announced he's going to start behind the plate instead of Gary. They're going to have Gary off the bench. What do you think the lineup's going to look like? Are we going to see Brett Gardner leading off in a playoff game again? Is it going to be Tyler Wade leading off? Because I don't know they've at points this year stubbornly tried to have the old school fast leadoff guy in the one hole as opposed to just going for your best on base guy. Yeah, so, you know, I thought about this today, Um, you know, a lot on Twitter, people were writing what they would do, and I kind of came up with what my lineup would be. And, you know, I think this makes the most sense. Usually with the Yankees, it's not what makes the most sense, (laughs) it's what the analytics tells us what to do. But what I have is I have Glaber batting first, I have Aaron Judge second, Rizzo third, Stanton fourth, Gallo fifth, I have Gio at third, six. I have Brett Gardner, seventh and center. Uh, Higgy, like you said, was announced the catcher. He'll be eighth. And then I have Tyler Wade batting ninth. Um, and, you know, once you get from Judge all the way down to Wade, you have righty, lefty, righty, lefty. Yeah. And I think that plays a huge role um, into the postseason, into a pitcher's mentality. And, Um, You know, if you were able to watch some of the Yankees games, David Cohn talked about this a lot. And what he referenced is how difficult it is for pitchers uh, to have a game plan when you go from lefty to righty back and forth. Um, And I think, you know, with the Yankees doing that, they can control the game. Um, You know, you have fast guys like Tyler Wade and Gardner that could maybe bunt people over. Uh, this is the type of games where you kind of have to play small ball. Um, you know, the sometimes the home run strikeout, it's not going to work in these games. You have to get across runs. And when, you, when you're facing a guy like Nathan Ovaldi, uh, you know, yes, we did hit set. We got seven runs off of him the last time, but that's not going to happen tomorrow night. We're, he's going to be locked in. Uh, you know, he has the home stand, the whole fans behind him. Uh, you're going to have to manufacture some type of runs and having guys like Gardner and Wade at the bottom who can actually hit singles the other way, I think is a recipe for good success. I, I know they've done a good job of that, especially during the course of the regular season here last month or so of making sure to have the righty lefty righty back and forth. So you can't bring in just a lefty for two guys, that kind of thing against this Red Sox team. Who do you think makes who on that Red Sox team worries you. We're going to talk about Cole in a second, but that is a pretty good lineup when you go one through nine. I know J.D. Martinez is questionable. They don't know if he's going to be able to play or not. They might need that roster spot for someone else if they are able to play. Who concerns you in that Red Sox lineup? I mean, the obvious one to me is Devers, just because he always seems to hit well against the Yankees. That might just be anecdotal evidence from me watching that when they play, but it seems to me like Devers is the guy you got to avoid the most. Yeah, Devers, Devers scares me, honestly. <laughs> like, if I had to pick a list of, like, 
AL East guys that actually scare me. He is by far top two. You know, ever since that moment where the game was at Yankee Stadium, he was 19 years old in the bottom of the ninth against Chapman. Chapman throws 100 mile power and he just sends it to left center. You know, that guy, nothing fears him. He's ready for the moment at every every game. And um, his swings are just so powerful. Um, and, you know, we saw two nights ago against the Nationals or, or last yeah. night, actually, um, you know, the Nationals were up 5-1. Sox came all the way back. And then Rafi gets a base knock and then I believe another home run to you know, send them through. And, you know, when I think of Rafi Devers, I think of uh, like a young David Ortiz, right? That guy, yeah. um, when Ortiz came on the scene from the twins, the, a lot was asked from him at a, at a younger age. Um, and I think Devers definitely has the mentality. He can look up to guys like Ortiz and Manny Ramirez and Pedro that gives him guidance. Um, I think he, he's ready for that moment. I mean, he's been in the league pretty much an everyday regular since he was 19. There just aren't a lot of guys who were built like that to be able to be an everyday ball player at 19. And like, it feels like he's been around forever, but he's only 23 years old. And it's, it's kind of weird when you think about that. I mean, if you were playing this game at Yankee Stadium, I would be a little bit more concerned between him, Schwarber, the Deadpool lefties in Yankee Stadium. But FMway, they can take advantage of that, those bullshit 309-foot home runs around the pole down the line pretty easily like they can at Yankee Stadium but one area that I will be curious to see I noticed this a lot because I've watched a decent amount of Red Sox games this year I'm very curious to see how aggressive the Yankees are on the bases because that's been a problem for them at points during the season where they've made they've left outs on the field when they've been up to bat by not being aggressive enough not being too aggressive not finding the right situation not picking up your base coach whatever Renfro, good arm. Verdugo, not a great outfielder. And then whoever's in left, whether it be Schwarber, whether it be J.D. Martinez, or whoever, you have opportunities here to manufacture offense that way. Like you said before, you're going to have to manufacture offense in this game. You're probably not going to be able to hit just three home runs and that be enough. Can you take advantage of a soft outfield? I mean, Renfro's got a pretty good arm. I think he had the second most outfield assists of any outfielder in baseball. But that is an opportunity for the Yankees there. Yeah, I mean, playing at Fenway, just like playing at Yankee Stadium, is a unique experience. Um, and, you know, even if you don't have the greatest arm, if you're a left fielder, it's not you're like 310 feet <laughs> out. So it's not it's not too crazy. Um, but, yeah, having guys like Gardner and Wade playing the game and getting those steals, getting the bunts down – hit and runs, this is where you have to just go back to old school baseball. And, you know, you'll tell, you can, you, you'll learn early on in the game that if the Yankees have it, if they don't have it, right? Um, and yeah. I spent a lot of today watching, you know, last year's videos, YouTube videos on the Indians and the Rays and just what happened in those games, where did the Yankees fail? And it, it goes back to the runners in scoring position, right? And um, it goes back to maybe if we just had one more single, you know, it could have opened up new opportunities for us. Um, and I think, you know, the, the how the Yankees are going to win tomorrow 
it's not going to be on Judge. It's not going to be on Stanton. It's the other seven guys in that lineup. Um, you know, if they are not producing as well, it, it's not going to work out for them. And if we can get a team effort, which I feel like there's only been a handful of times we've seen that from the Yankees, that's when, you know, we'll see big things come from the Yankees. But we can't just lean on Judge. We can't just lean on Stanton. And I, I have a feeling that actually Nathan Uvalde is going to pitch around both of them, to be honest, um, because the rest of the lineup hasn't been playing well. Um, so we're going to need big hits from the other seven guys, and that's how we'll lead them to success. So you're in on Higashioka over Sanchez as a lineup decision purely based on what that Cole rather pitches to Higashioka, purely based on that, just throwing offense out. You're good with that? Yeah, I mean, this type of game, I don't care if my catcher hits. I want my catcher to be in sync with the pitcher. And, you know, Garrett Cole loves him. Higgy loves catching him. And if that makes Cole comfortable, by all means, you know, we pay the guy $324 million. If he wants a personal catcher in the game, you know, he gets it. But at the same time, because you get a personal catcher, you know, and the stakes are higher, you better pitch your ass off because yeah. we are, you know, Higgy, there's not a massive difference between Higgy and Sanchez's bat. Sanchez, I guess, a little bit better, but you could say that we are taking Sanchez's bat out of the lineup uh, and, and for, you know, Cole's purposes. Um, and, and I'm totally fine with that because I, I have a feeling this is going to be a big pitching duel tomorrow night. So that was going to be my next question was how confident you are in Cole because his second half has been very weird where he's had the extremely dominant games like the one he had against Houston, but he's also been dinged up a couple of times like against Toronto last week. So where are you at in the Cole confidence meter? Because he started out the year great, really strong through the early summer, had the bout with COVID, missed a little bit of time, took him a little bit, a couple starts to get back into a rhythm. He was kind of spotty in September. So where are you in the confidence on Cole? Yeah, this this may sound, you know, funny with how Cole has been, but I'm super confident with Garrett Cole. I think there's certain guys in every league. Um, you know, you have the Tom Brady's of the world. You look at the LeBron's, the Messi's in soccer. Um, when it comes to big games, they may had, you know, bad few games prior. When it comes to big games, a light just turns on and they just know when to come out and ball out. Um, you know, Garrett Cole, you know, we did, we, we paid 324 million, not for the regular season, but what he can do in the playoffs, um, how he can be that ace, how, you know, when an opposing offenses come to the plate, they are scared of what he can you know, what can happen. Um, the biggest thing with Garrett Cole is switching up his pitches. Um, we saw with the Blue Jays game recently that he has been, he was fastball heavy, the Blue Jays jumped on him. And, you know, we saw a bunch of baseball guys tweet out that, you know, the Blue Jays, I believe like 14 out of the 17 hitters were on fastballs um, and they're just looking at it. I, you know, Garrett Cole's someone that I think, no five innings with um, you're able to trust him and you know this is a conversation Aaron Boone should be having with Garrett Cole tonight um, and it's like look you're our guy you know this is why we have you here uh, but any you know 
anytime I think you're you're not to be playing well or, or pitching well, I'm a I'm a Yankee because you don't have a five game series to figure this out. It's it's all on tomorrow night and getting it done. Realistically, what is your hook there? Because we've seen this a lot in these wild card games where somebody jumps out in front early on the first inning, and at two nothing, you know, you, you take your best pitcher out, and you you're gonna have to burn your entire bullpen, and that even if you win the game, you're not gonna have your guy till at least game two or three probably. So realistically, how quick can your hook be with a guy like Cole, who, you know, is supposed to be your guy, especially considering how weird the Yankee bullpen has been this year. So what's that line for you where it kind of feels like, all right, we got to get him out of there versus he's our best pitcher. He's our best player. We got to let him ride it out. And if he can figure it out, we'll be fine. Yeah, I think I think it has to be super quick, honestly. You know, I, I love Cole and I think he's going to do very well. But this is not the time to be, you know, thinking about the Rays. You have to think about yeah. Tuesday night's game. You know, you after Tuesday night, when it goes to Wednesday, then you'll figure out the pitching and whatnot. But Tuesday night, you have to be quick. If it if the Sox come out in the first two innings and it's two, three, nothing, you're gonna have to pull them. And the reason why I say this is because if we actually look at, you know, the Yankees. Uh, you know, recent games, they have been coming back later in games, right? So as long as you're able to keep it close the first few innings, even if you're down two or three runs, it has to be quick. And now, you know, we're on an off day. All of the bullpen is ready to go. There's probably three or four guys I truly trust that um, can go in and, and, you know, if Cole only pitches two innings, can do the remaining seven innings. Um, and that's, I'm sure on Boone's mind that there's probably only three or four guys he has written down that can go. But with Cole, if, if he shows any signs that he can't do it, you, you have to yank him, you know, you have to put the pride aside, you have to put the money aside. You know, it's it's more than Garrett Cole, it's more than Aaron Boone. It's It's all about the Yankees and what's best for the team at that moment. So you mentioned it there. What's the sliding scale in bullpen confidence? Who do you trust the most going down to who do you trust the least? Uh, who I trust the most, it has to be Jonathan Loisaga. Um, okay. You can make the argument he was top five bullpen pitcher. Um, the game, 162 against the Rays, had a crazy gem, ended up striking out Nelson Cruz. Um, he's definitely up there. Wandy Peralta, we traded him uh, for Mike Talkman, and we had no idea what we were getting with him. Ends up being a pretty good lefty um, with a nice changeup. Every single time he comes in, I, I feel confident. Um, Clay Holmes, uh, we got him from the Pirates. Uh, he wasn't really good on the Pirates, and then he came over here and has been great. He has an incredible sinker and two seam action uh, with great depth in all those pitches. Um, and, you know, Chapman, if we have to go to him, you'll have to think about that depending how close it is, how close of a game it is. Um, and then last, um, Seve. Uh, Severino's back in the bullpen. And that's a guy who I actually really lean on because he has the postseason experience. Yeah. Uh, guys like uh, Wandy Peralta and Clay Holmes, 
they don't have the postseason experience. The moment might be too big for them. A guy like Seve, not only does he have the postseason experience, he can also go three innings, right? He can yeah. add that pitching. You can have like an opener type of mentality where, oh, Cole goes two, and then, you know, Seve can go three. Um, and then half of your ball game is is gone right there. Um, so I think Aaron Boone, you know, all the Yankees fans, all Yankee coaches are thinking about those four guys right there. That's going to lead us home. But at the end of the day, I feel confident that Garrett Cole will at least get us six innings strong um, without us having to worry about that. Realistically, who's the first guy out of the bullpen tomorrow? I think first guy out of the bullpen tomorrow uh, will be Severino, um, depending on on the matchup, honestly. Um, But if it doesn't have to do with the matchup, I'm going to go with Severino. Um, I think Severino would calm a lot of people's nerves, uh, depending on what what the situation is. Um, And, you know, since he's been back, he's pitched three or four times and looked excellent every single time. Um, I would have been a little bit worried if he only had one uh, bullpen start and then he came out for the playoff game. But we saw three, four consecutive good outings from him. Um, and he he's big time in the moment. Um, and I think he understands his role now in the bullpen and he's thriving, you know, with that role. So I'm looking down here, and the Red Sox bullpen doesn't have horrendous stats, but a lot of those good stats were accumulated in the first half of that season. The bullpen is pretty tired. It hasn't been particularly good for the last, I'd say, two, three months. And that's one advantage where if the Yankees can get to the Red Sox bullpen, I think the Yankees can win this game pretty handily if you can get to the bullpen early. I don't know if Boston would opt to maybe bring a starter out of the bullpen, go an extra pitcher as opposed to a bent, um, excuse me, yeah, go, extra starting pitcher in that bullpen just in case something happens, just in case you need length, that kind of thing. I don't know who that would be for the Red Sox because their starters have also been kind of crap the second half of the season. But this is when this is what the Yankees are known for is in the playoffs, these games that take five and a half hours, because they stare at nine pitches per at-bat. Brett Gardner fouls off 15 pitches in an at-bat in the sixth inning to get the starter out of there. That is an area that if the Yankees are right, you know they're right because they are taking pitches and they aren't just swinging at everything. They're being patient and waiting. And the Red Sox know that. They're going to have to be aggressive because they don't want to have to go to that bullpen too early. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's going to be the interesting thing about both Evaldi and Cole are – they're both strikeout guys. So their pitch counts are going to get high and eventually the bullpen is going to come into play. I can't imagine either one going at least eight innings. Maybe we'll see six and seven innings. Um, and like you hit it on the head, the Red Sox bullpen is, you know, not that great. Um, and if the Yankees can jump on them, they start to get nervous. They start to get scared. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how the Red Sox fell off this second half of the year. Um, the bullpen really killed them. You know, we sh- we don't have to worry about Chris Sale, thankfully. Um, if we had to see Chris Sale, that would have been a different ball game. Um, but thankfully, Evaldi, we just saw him. We should have great metrics on him because we, we hit very well against him. So we go back to that game and see, you know, what worked, what didn't work. Um, what sequences is he pitching? 
Um, and if we attack Evaldi early and get to that bullpen, it, sh it should honestly be game, or game over because I believe our bullpen with the guys I mentioned, Sevi, Holmes, Peralta, Loisega, once those guys come in, I, I've, I'm very confident that the game's over and, you know, we'll be at Boston with a good win. You could have been playing Toronto. You could have ended up playing Seattle. Was Boston the least preferable, the medium preferable? In terms of who you wanted to play in this game, where would you put the Red Sox? I would put the Red Sox in the middle. Um, okay. I did not want to play the Blue Jays. Um, I don't think any Yankee fan wanted to play the Blue Jays. And the reason why is because the lineup is just disgusting. Um, you know, everyone on their team can hit. We're having, you know, Simeon, a second baseman, hit 45 home runs. We have Vladdy putting up MVP numbers. Um, you know, Bo Bichette's always on base. You either have, um, you know, Biggio with a nice lefty bat. You have Springer with postseason experience. Um, you know, and the Rogers Center gets very loud in the postseason. Yeah. It's, been a, it's been a few years. Um, but, you know, thinking about those 2015-2016 series in the Rogers Center, those were some good teams, and their fans love baseball. Um, so I didn't want to play the Blue Jays. Um, the Red Sox would be second, then last was the Mariners. Um, and the Mariners being last is just – they have no experience in the postseason. Um, and if they came to the – Yankee Stadium the postseason I think they would have been frightened uh, it would have been one of those Oakland A's uh, you know Minnesota Twins type of games where we just route them in the first inning um, you know I really was hoping that the Mariners made it because you know it's been 20 years since they've been in the postseason um, but to do what they did with a minus 50 run differential is pretty incredible um, so they, they should be proud of that and you know, they have they have a good team. You know, they need a few more stars to really be in the running for uh, a true wild card spot. But uh, I'm, I'm happy that's the Red Sox. I'm happy there's another chapter of this rivalry. Um, and it's going to be exciting. So the Yankees have played in this wild card game now a couple times. First year, the wild card game was, I think, 2011 or 2012. The Yankees have played in it three times. They've won twice. They've lost once. They lost to the Astros. They beat the Red Sox, I believe, and then they beat Minnesota in that wild card game. So in terms of experience, this is an older Yankees team. Most of the guys have been on this team, or if they aren't on this team, have been around the game a long time. Um, with some some exceptions. I mean, Gallo never really played in a big game, but Judge has been here. Stanton's been here. Most of the guys in the bullpen have some level of postseason experience. I know I know you're not going to want to see Chad Green tomorrow, but you're almost 100% going to see Chad Green tomorrow because that's Boone's guy. But at the very least, you got to feel confident to some degree because you've been here. You, these type of games favor the way the Yankees play where all it takes is one home run. They go to the bullpen. Bullpen unravels. You can take care of them. At some point, these wild card games, I do think they're going to, I think baseball is going to mess it up and expand the field for the playoffs. But at the very least, we know we're going to have some kind of entertainment tomorrow, which is what I like about the one game format. It might not be the fairest thing in the world to the Yankees or the Red Sox. It comes down to one game, but at least entertainment wise, the wild card game works. 
Yeah, the wild card game is interesting. And, you know, you can look at the NL wild card game, right? And you have the Dodgers and the Cardinals, two different spectrums of how their season has gone. Uh, you know, the Dodgers have won over 100 games and the Cardinals were relevant until September. Um, and, you know, if the Dodgers lose, you, you could easily say, oh, that's not fair because, um, you know, they had over 100 wins. They're a great team. Uh, the same with the Yankees and Sox. They're two teams that won, you know, 92 games, 70 losses. And, you know, they played very tight. Um, and that's, you know, that's actually one reason going off topic to other sports. I love NFL postseason because it's yeah. just one game. Uh, if you have it, you have it that day. If you don't, you don't. And I think it makes it more exciting on, you know, the different matchups, the sequences, how you put together a lineup, you know, in a, in a best of three or a best of five series, you can afford to drop a game by making a mistake. You know, tomorrow night, everyone has to be on point. The managers, the equipment teams, the staff, the players, the umpires, uh, you know, everyone has to be on it for each either team to win. Um, and I think it makes it just so much exciting that, um, you know, it's two great historic franchises that, you know, everyone knows this rivalry, even if you're not even paying attention to, you know, baseball itself, you know about the Sox and the Yankees. And like I said, it's just another great chapter to, you know, what we have with the Sox and the Yanks. So you said about the umpires being on point. I don't know if you saw or not, but Joe West is calling the game behind the plate tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's going to be interesting. I'm sure I'm sure Joe West is gonna make my blood pressure go through the roof tomorrow. But um you know it's you kind of just have to make sure that the Yankees do enough where the umpires don't have any say in the game, just like any other sport, you know. If the Yankees put up five, seven runs, the umpire Joe West can make all his crappy calls all he wants. You know, but all I want from umpires is that it's just fair for both sides. You know, if if you're giving it two balls out for the Red Sox, give it two balls out for the Yankees and vice versa. Um, you know, the, the only the umpires can only do so much. Thankfully, now we have replay. Hopefully, baseball uses replay correctly. Um, and, you know, we're really getting the calls correct. Um, because if, if we're not, there's no point in replay. But you know, overall, the umpires, they're hit or miss, and you, you can't allow them to really make the decision for the game. So the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry goes through its ebbs and flows. There are high points, 2003-2004. There's that. There was the lull for a while where the Red Sox won a couple titles and the Yankees didn't win any. Then it kind of got into this weird, like, NBA style thing where it's like they don't really dislike each other anymore and then we had what happened a couple of years ago where the Yankees were uh, what's it called where the Red Sox were playing music or something as the Yankees were leaving and then Judge did it another time when they left Fenway so I don't know if it's quite that hot on the rivalry scale like it used to be but there's definitely a little bit of juice here there's definitely a little bit of energy that that makes the game a little bit more fun because it's not quite the Thunderdome era where like literally, you know, Veritech fighting A-Rod or Don Zimmer trying to fight Pedro. It's not that level of crazy, but th things can definitely get interesting tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why the rivalry isn't at its peak is because we don't have those fights anymore. We don't have yeah. the historic brawls. Um, you know, when 
I was looking at, you know, the Yankees Red Sox just history. When you when you think about the early 2000s, it was, you know, Jeter versus Garcia Parra. You know, it was A-Rod versus Ortiz. Uh, you know, you go back and you have the, you know, the, the catchers from both sides in the 70s, Munson and Carlton Fisk, you know, two legends. Um, this rivalry goes through ups and downs, like you said, ever since, you know, the Babe Ruth historic story. Um, and... You know, even though it's not the same as it was, you know, there's going to be tension in the stands. There's always tension in the stands. <laughs> um, and, you know, I I am actually afraid for myself to ever go to Fenway when the Yankees are there because <laughs> who knows what I can get myself into. But, you know, I think it's, it's a pride thing too, right? It's yeah. like, you know, this isn't a – this is bragging rights for the next year, right? This yeah. is when you can – the Jerry Carabases of the world, you can tell them to piss off, right? You can shut those guys up and vice versa. They can tell us to shut up and, you know, it makes it sweet. And you, we're so close in distance. Um, you know, we have people that are from New York that live in Boston and Boston's that live in New York. And, um, you know, I think what's going to make the rivalry better is just the talent going through both yeah organizations and we have you know Gleyber Torres is young you, you mentioned Rafi Devers before you have guys like JD you have Judge you know you're having your superstars you know when Mookie Betts was there um, you know the times that it wasn't too good of a, a rivalry is when both teams didn't really have the best talents when you know Jeter started to retire um, and the Yankees weren't looking too hot and then you know, the Red Sox won a few World Series in 2011, 2013. And after that, they kind of fell off a little when Ortiz, uh, you know, eventually retired. But, you know, hopefully the rivalry re-ramps itself and we're able to get a good competition tomorrow. That, that's what you're hoping for. You want to see a good game. You don't want to see one of the games that, like, the Twins or the A's play in, in the wild card game where it's over by the third inning and then you got to sit there for another six innings. You don't want that. The one question I have for you that I was thinking about earlier, because you mentioned the 130 for 30, is can you tell me why the Yankees didn't lay down a single bunt against Kern Schilling? I think about this all the time for no real reason. It doesn't matter. This game happened 17 years ago. But how do you not bunt at least once just to see if the guy moves? The 30 for 30 is I'm just happy I wasn't 24 years old in 2004 because I would have been in NYU's hospital down the street, but um, that, you know, you, you have a great point. And it's funny because we talk about the small ball and the old school style of play. That's, you know, that was still that era. It wasn't a home run or bust back then. Um, you know, Kurt Schilling, the guy, the guy's ankle was literally a red sock, red yeah. sock, literally. Uh, and, I don't know why those games though were, were so great. And, you know, I watched the 30 for 30 today. Um, and again, one of those games, you wish you were a neutral supporter just to, you know, see the outcome from a different lens, but uh, you know, Kurt Schilling, that, those Sox teams are really good. And, you know, we got them in 2003 because uh, of Mr. Aaron Boone, thankfully that, <laughs> kind of just backed us and screwed us now because now he's our manager but uh 
you know, those those rivalries, it's good to look back on those days and see how great it was and see the old Yankee Stadium, see how the fans were reacting and the environment. And that all leads up to, you know, tomorrow night. People forget, man, old Yankee Stadium was a fucking terrible place to play if you were a visiting team. Like, that was an actual, that was actually a home field advantage. There aren't a lot of those left in baseball anymore. I know you mentioned the Rogers Center is a pretty good one, but in terms of just being purely loud and it coming across on TV, old Yankee Stadium was just uncomfortable to play in as a visiting team, and it did get to people. You could unravel a game. I mean, for, I mean, at one point in the 30 for 30, after they called A-Rod out for slapping Arroyo's hand, everybody's just throwing beer bottles on the field out of anger like that was going to change the outcome of the game. Like, old Yankee Stadium was a scary place. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we were too young to really enjoy it. I was there probably two three times i remember you know bits and pieces of it i remember you know it's being like you're in the hallway it's fully enclosed and you step yeah. out and you see the field i miss that i i think you know when you're a little kid and you see that it's like you're we're walking into disney world and you're excited yeah. but you know that old yankee stadium you look at clips and fans are just on top of each other you're on top of the players you can absolutely, if you're a player, you can absolutely hear everything the fans are saying. And you're right, you know, there's only a handful, uh, you know, Fenway is one of those places just because of old stadium. Wrigley's one of those places during the postseason. Uh, but now with the newer stadiums, we're seeing more foul ball territory. The fans aren't on top. And, you know, the fans are different now. You know, they're yeah. different type of Yankee fans now different MLB fans now. There's probably less MLB fans now, um, true diehards. And, uh, you know, it's always good to look back and see, you know, where we were and uh, look at, you know, Manfred can even look at yeah. this and see how can we get back to that situation? Because that you could say like, that was one of the golden ages of, you know, baseball in the entirety, you know, that early. I got the answer to I got your answer. Let everybody take steroids again. This is not hard. <laughs> if they really want to fix baseball, it's really not that hard. Let Vladdy Jr. take steroids so he can hit 75 home runs in a season. Please. I, I think that would solve everybody's problem and make the labor problems that are about to happen this upcoming offseason go away. Let everyone take steroids again. Uh, move the mound up a foot so it's a little bit easier for the the hitters. Do everything you can to make offense enticing because that's what you're going to see the clips of. You, The Padres fired their manager and are going to finish under 500 with all the expectations they had. I saw that Fernando home run against the Dodgers at least 150 times. What was that, Thursday or Friday night last week? Baseball highlights translate well. Ball goes very far. More power hitters please you want kids to like baseball show them vladdy jr show them otani show them judge people want to see moonshots that's what they want to see they don't want to see john means throwing no no hitters yeah and it's it's offensively and defensively and, and pitching you know no one cares about the win loss records we care about strikeouts now we care about you know we all we've always cared about your era that's always been a point but you know, when when we think of Garrett Cole, we think of the Jacob DeGroms, we think of their strikeouts. You know, we're not looking for, uh, you know, he's my guy, but Marcus Stroman trying yeah. to just ground balls. He's not going to make, you know, the front pages because of that. Um, and, you know, 
guys like Judge and Vladdy and whatnot. You know, one thing I will say is is good about you know baseball is you know the home run derby. We usually yes. have big stars. Aaron Judge has won it. You know, Vladdy. We have Pete Alonso. We do have our big stars, Otani being it, and um, you know, making the game global. It's a great, you know, yeah. baseball is played pretty much all over the place. It's not, you know, segregated to one part of the world. And, uh, you know, from, from an offensive perspective, you know, the Yankees are an, a great team to look at when you're a kid because, you know, they do hit a ton of home runs. You know, when you're a fan sitting in the outfield, you are looking for, you know, the ball to come out to you. And, uh, you know, this offseason is going to be interesting with the, the labor stuff. Plus, yeah. that, that's, a, not, that's another headache in for itself. Yeah. So two last things before I get you out of here. Number one, you were talking about it before about old Yankee Stadium, everyone being on top of each other. I just remember always seeing people fighting in the bleachers and being like, someday when I'm older, that's going to be me and my friends. Never got to do that with my friends, unfortunately. We didn't get to go to the old Yankee Stadium. If we tried starting a fight now, the people around us would just point at us and throw us out. They would throw us out of the game like every they do every single time anyone does anything even slightly annoying at a baseball game now. We missed out on our golden, uh, the golden years of baseball where there were just fights and security just wouldn't break them up because they didn't want to go into the bleachers at Yankee Stadium, and I can't blame them. Yeah, Yankee Stadium bleachers back then and now are completely different animals and <laughs> different spectrums of, of the planet. You know, you know, Yankee Stadium back then, if you were an opposing fan, there was no shot you were sitting in those bleachers. Now, nope. when I sit in the bleachers, I see opposing fans, and it kind of stinks. It's, you know, it really sucks. You know, we'll always have the bleacher creatures. Those are your diehards that have been here for decades. And, you know, even outside fans somehow try to get Section 203 bleacher creature, you know, seats. And, you know, I, I went to a Red Sox Yankee game this year and there was a few Red Sox fans in there. And it's like this should be the, you know, ground where only Yankees fans should be, uh, you know, the territory um, where the true fans should be, because, you know, that's where the, the cheaper tickets are, honestly. Yeah. But I will say, you know, for the postseason, hopefully we see it. The new Yankee Stadium has impressed me with how loud it can get. And it yeah, really yeah. comes from the bleacher creatures sections. If you look at a postseason game for the 100s, those guys are still quiet. But the people in the outfield, those are the people making the noise. Those are the guys chirping the outfielders. And it really does make a difference in the game. And, you know, when you can get one of those outfielders to turn around, even if they just smile, you're in their head. And that's when you know you've got them. Uh, all right, Darren, I'm not going to say give me a prediction because that's boring. How confident are you that the Yankees will win tomorrow is the better question. I would say we have the better pitcher on the mound. And I think when it comes to postseason baseball, that's what you need. I, you know, I trust Garrett Cole more than anyone, truly, you know, unless it's, unless it's Jacob deGrom, truly. And we haven't really seen Jake in the postseason. So I may give that nod to Cole. Um, you know, this is why you get paid the big bucks. This is why your face is all over advertisements. And I think Tomorrow, if you can have Gardner and Wade, guys like that get on base and we're able to move those runners over, 
um, we'll have great success. And if we get to that bullpen, the bullpen's very shaky with the Sox. You get to the bullpen, you can add two, three, four more runs, and you'll you'll have the game over with, you know. How much does Boone versus Cora worry you? Because that is a legitimate concern I would have if I were a Yankee fan. It's just that Alex Cora is going to put my manager in a body bag. That worries me more than the nine versus nine on the field. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm so serious. Alex Cora... There's a reason why the Red Sox rehired him after he was suspended for a year. He is a brilliant, brilliant baseball mind. And Aaron Boone, you know, game 162, he he was very, very good. I will say that. I don't say that often about Aaron Boone, but he took out JMO early. He took out the relievers early. He called that game perfectly. And that's really it may come down to that it may have nothing to do with cole versus evaldi may not do anything with the hitters it could be you know pinch runner or pinch hitter or when if you leave the uh pitcher in for too long it can just it's the little things in postseason baseball it's the little details especially in a wild card game that makes you successful all right darren last question what two teams are playing for the world series and i will get you out of here World Series, I am going, I want to say the, the Rays and the Braves. That's Braves interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been on the, I'd like to see the Brewers in there. I would have liked to have seen the Jays in there. Tampa would be good. Just someone that's not the Dodgers, not the Yankees, teams that haven't been there. Like the Brewers making it would be an interesting story. If Houston got back there, I'd be okay with that. Only if they were playing the Dodgers purely because that would be fun. I hope we get a Yankees Astros ALCS. That would be very fun. Baseball needs that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Yankees Red Sox, wild card, and then the Yankees Astros. And then, you know, that would be exactly like you said. Baseball needs it. Both teams have chips on their shoulders. And that's when you may see a brawl that series. Yeah. Yeah, those teams, like, genuinely dislike each other. Like, Judge was all nice about Altuve winning the MVP award. Now he's kind of mad about it. Now, a couple years down the road, he's actually kind of mad about it. Yeah, Judge doesn't get mad at all. He Yeah. Uh, he's a softie, which is, you know, it, it's good and bad sometimes. But, you know, you can tell this year when they played the Astros, he was, every single time he got on second base, he would look at Altuve just <laughs> – Running his teeth, just like I can't believe this guy. And you know, maybe that fires them up for the Sox series, for the Rays series, and then if they meet in the Astros and the ALCS. Darren, I want to thank you so much for stopping by. I wish you and your emotions the best of luck tomorrow. I hope you got cigarettes or nicotine of some kind. You're definitely going to need them. Playoff baseball is probably the most stressful viewing experience because your entire range of emotions can be encompassed in three pitches and one at bat. So it's going to be entertaining. Dodgers Cardinals should be pretty entertaining on Wednesday. I will talk to you guys then. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show.